Hey, we're going to have a great message today. I believe, you know, I know it's a great message, and let me tell you why, okay? And and I'm not trying to say that I'm great or anything, because I'm really not. But when you write a message, and then you realize halfway through, uh, this message is trash, okay? Like, this is awful. And sometimes that happens to me. I'm just going to be honest. I get about halfway through, and it it was Friday. I'd written down my main points on Thursday. I go on Friday and I'm trying to write this message and I just get through it and I'm like, no, no, this is awful. I mean, if I preach this, there will be five people next week, okay? Because they will all leave. They will never want to hear me talk again. uh, And this is not what the Lord has for us. And so I was just praying and I was like, Lord, you got to do something here because this is terrible. And he just dropped these three points into my head so fast, just like he would to a regular preacher. It's got to be three points or else it's not from the Lord, right? And so he dropped these three points into my head. They're alliterate and everything so you know it is from God guys I'm telling you uh so we're gonna have a great time finishing up our series in the fire today how many of you have enjoyed this series been here uh, had a lot of fun with it I believe that God has been doing some great things we've seen some breakthrough in our lives as a church and as individuals so uh, week three of In the Fire, we're going to be in Daniel 6 today. In week one, we talked about living in Babylon, what it was like to live in Babylon, which is basically a land that did not serve and honor God. And Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were just thrown into this fire. And, and so how do we serve and love God in a time and in a place uh, that does not serve and love God? How do you serve God in your workplace? Maybe you have people around you that don't love God and, and that are not serving him. Maybe people in your family or, or in your school or wherever it is that you find yourself in life. How do you serve him in that way? And Daniel does a great job of helping us to figure that out. Last week then, we talked about uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how there is another in the fire, right? Jesus is there in the fire with them. Uh, but now we're moving on to Daniel 6, which is all about Daniel and the lion's den. That's the story that we're going to be in today. We're not going to have the, uh, the, the verses on the screen for you today, but go ahead and turn to Daniel 6, and it is all there. I'll be reading out of the NIV for the most part today. So I'm going to summarize kind of the whole first half of this story because it is a long passage. We got to get through it, but uh, it starts out with King Darius, all right? There's a few kings that Daniel deals with in his time in Babylon. They're exiled into Babylon, right? He's actually from Jerusalem, but God had let them be exiled into Babylon, which is just a place that did not honor God, right? So King Darius appoints 120 men to rule over the whole nation, And then he has three guys that he appoints to rule over those 120. Leadership structure, the king is setting up, pretty solid. Daniel just so happens to be one of those three. Now, here's an interesting thing about this story that I don't think a lot of people know. When you see pictures of Daniel in the lion's den, uh, how old do you picture Daniel to be? You picture him to be pretty young, right? You see these photos and stuff like that, and you see him, you know, different movies and things like that, and he's like ripped, you know, absolutely ripped his shirts off and everything. He's just like with the lions, you know, and they're all just like, oh, Daniel, right? Like, that's what they look like. Daniel was like 85 years old when he was thrown into the lion's den. Did you know that? He probably broke a hip on the way down. You know what I mean? Like, the dude... The dude was old, all right? And so uh, I want you to picture Daniel. This is not the beginning of his time in Babylon. This is closer to the very end of his life. And he's already proven himself to be faithful so many times. And that's why this new king, Darius, decides to put him in charge of so much. Because uh, the Bible says Daniel stood out among all of the people. He had exceptional qualities. He was very intelligent. He was just a really smart guy. And 
Uh, he was faithful. He was faithful in everything. Every king that he served, every area that he was a part of, it became better because he was in it. And so all those other 120 guys, and then probably even the other two that were there with him, they didn't really like Daniel because of that, right? You got to think, they're thinking, okay, we're actually Babylonians. Like, we belong here. Daniel's not even from here. Like you came from the outside and now you're going to be in charge of our land? Like that, come on, that's not cool. So they didn't really like that. Uh, and Darius was actually about to put him in charge of everything. And so they really didn't like that now. And so they try to find something that would disqualify him. But of course, the Bible says they couldn't find anything against him because the dude was solid. So they know that Daniel prays three times a day to God, the same God that you and I pray to. So they go to the king and they say, hey, king, why don't you make a law that no one can pray to anyone else for 30 days except for you? And Darius is like, I'm pretty awesome. So sure, why not? You know, that's cool, whatever. And so he signs this, does this signet thing. And, and this is a really big deal because if the king in that time signs something, he puts his seal onto it, the, the law cannot be changed, right? It's just a part of their culture, cannot be changed. And so they know that now they can trap Daniel because he is so consistent and he's so faithful with praying three times a day, every single day that they know they're gonna be able to get him. So uh, they wait until he prays again. And this is what happens. He, he goes back, he gets on his knees, he opens his window to Jerusalem because that's where he's from. And he's just praying, asking God, you know, for all these different things. And, and these, these dudes just like creepily stalk him, I guess, around his house. I don't really know how this happens. And then they go tattletale to daddy later. They go back to the king and like, king, daddy, Daniel was praying and you told him he couldn't do that. You know, that's basically what they were doing. They're just tattletaling. And, uh, and so the king says, oh my goodness. Like he finally, you got to assume he figures out why they made him do that in the first place now. And the king has no choice other than to throw him into the lion's den. We're going to pick up in verse 16 right there. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. King said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue from the lions? And Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. King was overjoyed, gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Wow, what a cool story, right? It's an amazing story. And the questions that we've really been asking in this series are these two. How do I live in Babylon? How do I live in a place that doesn't serve and honor God in my life, in your life, contextualizing that to you? But then also, how do I walk in the fires of life? How, last week, that's really what we were discussing. How do I walk through the different things that happen? And that's even kind of where I feel like this moment was earlier with me, just feeling like the, the, the pressures and the burdens of life and the things that all of us are going through. How do we walk through those things? And Daniel is just an amazing example of how to do both of those things. And I think the key ingredient if I had to boil it down to one thing of why Daniel was such a good example and why he is a good example for you and for me, uh, the key ingredient for me anyway is his faithfulness. That was it. Simply, he was faithful in every season, no matter where he found himself, no matter the troubles he found himself in, Daniel was always faithful. So the title, you see it up there on the screen today, if you're taking notes, is Faithful in the Fire. Somebody say, Faithful. Three lessons about faithfulness from the life of Daniel. Yes, we have a subtitle today. Come on, if you want to write that down. Three lessons about faithfulness from the life 
of Daniel. The first one I have for you today is faithfulness is proven in private. Faithfulness is proven in private. It's been said that integrity is, is who you are when no one is watching. Your character is really found in the times when you are by yourself and what you choose to do in those moments. When there's no consequences, no one's going to find out. There's no CCTV cameras anywhere, all right? No one's got tracking on your phone on Life360. Okay, you can literally do whatever you want. Are you still going to make the right decision before God just between you and him? And I think it's just one of the funniest things I've ever heard, but it's so true. You can really find out if a person has integrity by what they do with their shopping cart outside of H-E-B. You know what I'm talking about? You ever heard this before? You know what I'm talking about? I'm about to get on to some of y'all today. Some of y'all people just be rolling your shopping carts wherever God wants to take it. And you're like, I'm just going where the Lord leads me, right? No, no, you're just lazy and you don't want to put it back where it goes. It is 10 steps that way, all right? You can find the nearest shopping cart reserved place, go back and put it back and then go. My car is going to be dented because of your laziness now. Come on, that's ridiculous. Put your shopping carts back. But people will say, you can really find out a lot about a person by if they put their shopping carts back where they go. Integrity is what you do when no one is watching or when no one is going to say anything because I might see you from afar, but I'm not going to say anything. I mean, maybe if it's really egregious, I might. But like, if you're just kind of leaving it over, I'm not going to say anything, but I am going to be like, mm, you're one of them. All right. You know what I'm talking about? So put your shopping carts back. People, that's on the side. That one's free today. But what did Daniel do when he found out that the document was signed? What did Daniel do when he realized that this law had been put into place? The first thing he went back to do was pray. It says that Daniel knew that the law had been put into place. And yet, what did he do? He went back and did the same thing that he always did. Why? Because it's what he had always done. It's in the privacy of his own home, praying to just between him and God that his character and his faithfulness was formed. And this is the key here is that Daniel was faithful in private before he was faithful in public. Daniel was faithful in the privacy of his own home before his faith ever got put to the test out in public. And I think that's the key here is because there's 153 verses about Daniel in his life before the lion's den. 153 verses about his life. You know how many verses there are about his time in the lion's den? Zero. There are zero verses about his time in the lion's den. Daniel says, hey, like God shut the mouth of the lion after he's out, but there's no verses of like what happened actually like during the time that he's in the lion's den. And here's the problem is we love to hear about the lions. That's awesome, right? I want to hear the story about the lions. I don't want to hear the story about the faithful three times a day praying with the window open to Jerusalem. That's boring. That's not cool. The cool part is when the lions come in, he's like, it's thrown into the lion's den and he comes out, he's like, I'm okay. And the angel shut the mouth of the lion, all that stuff. That is awesome. But it's not so awesome to talk about praying three times a day and yet that's what kept him alive in the lion's den. That's what kept him alive. And the, pro the point is, is that his time in the lion's den isn't the point. It's his faithfulness before the lion's den that sustained him while he was in it. Amen? It's his faithfulness before he got into the trial that kept him alive once he got into the trial. How many of you are going through a hard time right now? Let me tell you, I hope that you've been faithful to God beforehand because that's going to sustain you through it. Listen, maybe some of you, I'm talking about all these things that we're dealing with. Maybe some of y'all don't have anything going on right now. 
but you will one day. And so I hope that right now you would make the choice as we're going through the series together to be faithful to God so that when you get to the point that you have a trial in your life, you'll say, hey, listen, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he strengthens me every single day. I'm gonna go back and pray. It's not gonna change. If I lose my job or if somebody passes away, I go through a really difficult season. You know what? I'm gonna be okay because I am faithful to God. I know he's gonna be faithful back to me. Can I get an amen today in the house of God? I love this phrase. It takes 10 years to become an overnight success. You ever heard that? Think about it for a second. Some of y'all are like, huh? <laughs> it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. And this is the thing in the music industry, you see people all the time, they just pop onto the scene and they're like, wow, this person is fire. Have you heard this music before? This is incredible. It's like viral on TikTok or something like that. It goes crazy. Or they start selling out stadiums. Like, wow, it seems like they just came out of nowhere. They're all over the radio. Everyone's talking about them. This is so cool. But here's the deal. You see the public, uh, the public part of that, right? But you, what you don't see is usually they've been working and grinding for years and years and years before they get to that point. Are there some exceptions? Yes. But for the most part, those people in middle school were taking piano lessons, right? You know, the ones that your mom made you do. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there before taking those piano lessons and then they start putting in some work. And then they start doing some singing lessons. They start putting in more work. They were in choir in high school. They were going through this. They were learning about music production and all this stuff. And they were getting into the business. They were doing an internship at a, at a studio just because they wanted to learn more. And they, they start making music on their own. And most of it's trash. And they scratch all of it. And they start over again. And they keep writing and writing and writing. Learn how to write a song. And then finally, after 10 years of hard work, you finally see they're playing shows and they're, they're doing all this stuff and they start to, they put this one great album out there and they finally get signed and everyone's like, this is amazing. They just got on the scene. No, no, no. They've been working for years, working for years. And this is what Daniel understands. He's been in the privacy of his own home, praying every single day, three times a day, being faithful to God. And then finally in public, everybody sees, wow, he got saved from the lion's den. That's awesome. And Daniel's like, well, yeah, because I knew my God would do it because I've been faithful to him. He's going to be faithful back to me. Amen. So be faithful to God, not while you're just praying at church. Be faithful in your school and your work and be honest about your work. Have integrity in these things and, and be faithful to your spouse when you're gone on a business trip by yourself. Have some integrity. Be faithful in these areas in your life. Be faithful to your kids. Be faithful to coming to church and to gathering together with the uh, like-minded believers. And listen, here's the problem, what, what happens when you're not faithful. Um, I don't know if you're in church culture or anything like that, but there's this church, uh, it's called Hillsong. We actually sing some of their songs. Even this song, Another in the Fire, was written by one of the Hillsong uh, guys. We played their story video last week. It was incredible. Um, I'm not going to get into all the details of it, but basically what happened is, is there's a bunch of Hillsong churches that have shut down because of a lot of moral failures. A lot of issues that, it's a global church. Started in Australia back in the 70s. It's absolutely a massive church all over the world. Campuses in New York, LA, London, South Africa. I mean, places everywhere, all over the US and, and all over the world. And I don't want to get into the details necessarily, but it's a lot of moral failures on the part of the pastors. And I've spent a lot of time on, very upset about this. And I've cried a couple times. One of my favorite pastors in Houston had to resign uh, just a couple months ago because he cheated on his wife. Amazing ministry, you know, had to resign. And it's so sad. 
to see pastors failing left and right. It's so sad to see that. And I know it's not just pastors, but social media and digital age kind of accelerate some of these stories and things like that, I understand, but, but it's sad. We see them fail in public. We see the story on social media come out. We see the news article written about it. But the reality is, is that they failed long before that in private. They failed a lot longer before that when they were gone by themselves and their family wasn't around. They failed in little things like not reading their Bible as much anymore or not praying to God as much anymore. They started failing and compromising in little tiny values here and there that you think are tiny. They start sending a text to somebody that they probably shouldn't be. They start confiding in somebody that they shouldn't be. They start drinking a little bit more than they should be. They start, you understand. And then those little compromises finally turns into something big and then they think they can hide it because now they're trying to protect the corporation and the institution of the church rather than to protect the people that they're hurting. They try to protect themselves. And yet the problem is in Luke 8, 17, it says, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and be made known to all. God will not allow that sin and that stuff to continue. Eventually, it's gonna come to the light. So be faithful in your private life. Be faithful in those little tiny decisions that you think might not be significant, but yet they are so, so significant. Daniel could have said, well, maybe I only pray twice today because I'm kind of busy. No, be faithful in your life and God will honor you in public when you are faithful to him in private, amen? Here's the deal. Honor God, faithfulness is proven in private, but there will come a time when your faithfulness is tested. And this is what happens with Daniel. He gets into the situation where he's about to get tested. They make this law. He's going to go to the lion's den. He knows he's going to get thrown to the lion's den if he keeps praying, and yet he still does it. And my second point today is faithfulness is tested in trials. Somebody say tested. Faithfulness is tested in trials. They put our faith to the test. Oh, what is a test really? A test, I found this definition. I really like this one. Obviously, you know of a test in a different way. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's an event or a situation that reveals the strength or quality of someone or something by putting them under strain. Isn't that interesting? Some of y'all take some tests in school and you're like, yes, that is very much a strain. It is anxiety ridden, is awful. I hate taking tests. How many of you are awful test takers? Raise your hand. You're just awful at it. Okay, I should put my hand down because I'm the multiple choice guessing champion of the world, okay? I will literally just say the most random, I, I'll just be like process of elimination. This one's probably not it. This one's probably not it. Sure, why not? This one, 95 every single time. I don't know how I did it, but it just, I, people hated me because of it. And anyway, we'll talk about that later. So here's the deal. Uh, when you take a test in school, right? Let's talk about that. No one wants to, right? But if you take a test in school, if you've studied well, you have nothing to be afraid of, right? You have nothing to be afraid of. Because I've studied this stuff so much that it's just a part of me. Like, I know this stuff. I can regurgitate it perfectly. I could teach the class. Like, I know this stuff. It's not something that I'm just, like, barely making it through. Listen, if you didn't study for that final exam, though, and you played some video games and ate Doritos, you're, good luck. It's going to be a little bit more difficult for you because you didn't prepare for that test. Good luck taking that test. It's going to be a lot more difficult. You're going to be under a lot more strain and anxiety when you sit down for that test. And this is what James, the book of James has to say about going through tests and trials. I love this. It's in James 1, 2 through 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Consider it pure joy, 
That seems a little weird, right? Why would I be joyful about going through some hard times? When you go through the difficult challenges of life, your faith can go one of two ways. If you want to write this down, you can say, you can write this down. The fire will either destroy your faith or it will develop it. The fires and trials and tests that you go through in your life will either destroy your faith or it will develop it. Now, I've seen so many people that have gone through a hard time in their life. Good Christian people, they get through a trial in their life and they start going through this thing, it completely takes them out. Completely take, they lose a loved one. God, where were you? They get mad at God. And I understand some of that, I get it, right? But, but they go through this thing and in fact, it just destroys their faith and it's so sad to see. But then I could see somebody else go through the same situation and yet somehow they come out of it on the other side stronger than they were before. They come out of it like their faith is more developed and they're actually, they have more faith than they did when they went in. And, and why is that? I think it goes back to the first point that we just talked about. Faith that has not been proven in private will be destroyed. But faith that has been proven in private will be developed. If you've proven your faith and your own time and your own character and your integrity is being built and your relationship with God is there in private, when you go through the hard times, you're not just gonna throw it to the side because it's important to you. It's who you are. It's not just something you do. You could teach the class, right? That, that's where it goes back to the test. When you go through a test in a hard time, if you've been studying, if you've been in your prayer closet, if you've been honoring God and being faithful in your life, you're coming to church, you're with other people, you're in a group, you're talking to people about things, you're confessing your sins, you're, you're going after God with everything you have. When you go through the trial, you're gonna now be developed. Your faith's not gonna be destroyed because you've proven it in private. And here's the problem. That's great, Pastor Trevor. I would love for my faith to be developed, sure. All right, we all would love for our faith to be developed. I don't think that's something that we would uh, not want, but, but that doesn't mean that I'm gonna be happy when I go through some tough stuff. But this verse says, I'm supposed to count it as a joy? Consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds. No, I'm not going to. I'm sorry, James, I just don't wanna do that, no. And that's where the, the, the problem comes in. That's where the question really is then, am I supposed to be joyful? about difficult situations? How? I'm supposed to be joyful about losing my job? I'm supposed to be joyful about dealing with depression? That's literally the opposite of joy. How am I supposed to do that? I'm supposed to be joyful about my broken relationship? I'm supposed to be okay with getting thrown into this fire? How am I supposed to do that? Why? And I think a little story will illustrate how we can do this, all right? Uh, I, have, I have a love-hate relationship with fire, okay? I'm just gonna be honest for a second. Uh, fire and me, we get along. I like fire, maybe a little bit too much. I, I was a little bit of a pyromaniac when I was a kid, all right? I don't know if my mom's here today, but she would attest to this fact uh, that I was definitely a pyromani pyromaniac. I would uh, burn grass with a magnifying glass outside. I don't know, anyone else do that? You did that, I see you shaking your head there. Okay, so I'm not the only weirdo in this place today, all right? So we would just burn grass with the magnifying glass, just sit there for a while, okay? Sometimes I get paper towels to make it go a little faster, you know what I'm saying? Mom's like, where's all the paper towels? Oh, Trev's just burning them outside. It's just weird, right? I don't know why I did that. Uh, and it even got to the point where I took this one piece of wood that my granddad gave me, and I took a magnifying glass and I sat there for maybe four hours, five hours outside. I got sunburned because of this. And I just carved my name with magnifying glass into the wood for hours. This piece of wood is this big. My name was all the way across this piece of wood. I sat there for so long. My neck, it was so, it was like a tomato back here, okay? It was awful. My mom's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, I don't know, I'm weird. I'm like Sid from Toy Story, kind of like freaking out. You know what I'm talking about? It's weird. 
And I even had this other time when I was a little bit younger. I almost burned down the house, guys. It was not good. There was a, a hand towel, a hand towel in the bathroom. And I had my dad shaking his head because he knows. And I started doing the little, uh, the little you know, uh, fire and I started putting it underneath the hand towel. And I just wanted to see if it would burn. I don't know why. I was maybe like eight or nine or something. It was just a weird kid. So it starts to catch on fire. And I'm just staring at it like, whoa, this is awesome. My mom and dad just run in like, what are you doing? They're like throwing the thing down, like patting it out. And they're just like, Trev, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I just thought it was cool. Like, I just like seeing things burn. It's like, this kid is, he's got some serious problems, I'm sure, you know. But fire, you're normally afraid of it. It's normally a thing that we'd be afraid of. Well, you, you should have a fear of it. Apparently, I didn't. But you should have a healthy fear of fire. And, you know, California wildfires, I know about half of y'all are from there. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. <clears throat> California wildfires <laughs> have taken thousands of acres of land. Isn't it crazy how fast they move to? You don't realize how fast those things move. It says that they can move up to 15 miles an hour. Some of y'all, you know, it's like driving through a neighborhood right here. If you're driving 15 miles an hour through the neighborhood, that's about how fast a wildfire could just completely envelop uh, a field or trees or even neighborhood. Well, some of y'all be driving 40 miles an hour through here. I see some of y'all, y'all are crazy out here. But if you were driving 15 miles an hour, like you should be, that's about how fast it would go. So, but we had a fire recently uh, in downtown Kyle. It took out uh, Papa Jack's, the bar and grill there, and it took out Jack's axes, which I was actually really excited about opening because I want to do some axe throwing with the dudes. Come on. How many of y'all dudes would go axe throwing with me? Anyway, anyone? Mm. That's what I'm talking about. All right, here we go. I need a little, mm. come on, guys. Anyway, there it is. <laughs> but one small spark, one little tiny flame, one little electrical outlet that gets messed up, and boom, a fire ignites, everything you own is gone, Right? Some of you have maybe had a house burned down by a fire. You've seen that happen before. And one small spark, one small flame, and everything has gone. But in the kingdom of God, fire is not always used for destruction. As a matter of fact, you see fire. God led the Israelites with fire at night when they were traveling through the desert. They were just liberated from Egypt. And God is a pillar of fire, and he's leading them out. It's amazing. It's a really cool story. And then God speaks to Moses with a burning bush, right? This bush that had fire and his presence was in it. His presence was in the pillar of fire. God's presence is actually uh, identified with as fire many times. And there's a, there's a passage about this I want to read to you. It's in 1 Peter 6. It says, truly be glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise, glory, and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And so the last point I have for you today is faithfulness is refined in the fire. Faithfulness is refined in the fire. Could it be that God might be using this hard time that you're going through right now to refine your faith? That's a hard thing to deal with, right? Maybe God's allowing this to happen. Maybe we're going through this time and, and God's going to refine me because of it. He's going to use this thing. You know, maybe Satan is trying to get at you, but God says, you know what? I can turn all things around for good, so don't worry about it. You're going to go through this hard time. Satan's going to try to attack you. He might halfway take you out, but listen, I'm going to teach you something through this. I'm going to get you out of it, and you're going to learn something. You're going to be better when you come out on the other side. This is Daniel's in-the-fire experience. 
He didn't go into the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We don't know where Daniel was. He was on vacation that day, okay? He was gone. But this is his in the fire experience. But his fire didn't affect his faithfulness. And that's the key to this. Isaiah 48, 10, behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. Who wants to be tried in the furnace of affliction? Right? We don't naturally, but we do if we understand that it takes us to a deeper level of faith and faithfulness with God. And when we go through those things, it's not like we want to, but Jesus says, you're gonna go through some hard times. You're all gonna have the rain of life come down on you, on the good and the bad, it doesn't matter who you are. But when you go through it, are you gonna be destroyed or are you going to be developed through it? Sometimes we need to go through hard times, I think too, for God to reveal who's really for him. God says, sometimes I'm gonna put you through a fire. You know, you have a football team, right? Have a football team. First thing you do on two days, what do you do? You run a lot. You run and you run and you run and you run. Why do they do that? Because they want to weed out the people that are only there because their parents signed them up. <laughs> if you don't really want to be here, leave, right? I know it seems harsh, but sometimes that's what God has to do with us. It tests our faith. Make sure that it's genuine. It's not just my parents' faith. It's not why I'm here. It's because I want to be here because I believe in what God did for me. I believe in what Jesus did for me. And I believe that he has a plan for my life and I want to serve him, not because of anyone else, not because this is a tradition of what we do on Sunday mornings, right? I want to be here because I believe in the power of God and I want to serve him. And that's sometimes what God does. And that second half of that verse is so important. When your faith remains strong through many trials, this is the best part, okay? This is how you can be joyful. I love this part. When your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. When you get through that stuff that you've been going through, if you are developed through it and you say, I'm gonna be faithful even in the midst of my fire, you will have praise and honor and glory in the kingdom. You will have an extra little jewel in your crown when you get to heaven one day, come on. And I'm grateful for that. That's how we can be joyful. You're gonna to get to heaven and say, you know what? I went through that loss of my mom. It was so hard, I went through that fire, but you know what, it didn't take me out. But I was developed through it. My faith grew stronger through it because I was faithful in private first and God walked with me through it. And I know that God fights for me and I'm not gonna let this thing take me out. I'm gonna get closer to God because if we went through COVID together, y'all. It was tough. Felt like we were so separated and it was difficult. But you know what? I've seen so many people that their faith has been destroyed because of COVID. But you know what? I see you here today. And I would hope that God is developing your faith through whatever you went through. I went through a hard season. I'm just gonna tell you a little bit of my testimony. I think I might've shared this one time before, but I went through a really hard season one time. I was running away from God. I was running away from the call that he had on my life. And I just turned 21 and I was in a bad relationship. It was one of those ones where you're like dating and then you're not dating and then you're dating and then you're not dating and then you're dating and not dating. It was like, really guys, are you just gonna keep doing this? Just give it up, okay? Like it was one of those kind of toxic relationships. And I realized that, that she was going away that I didn't wanna go. She wanted our relationship to go one direction and, and I wanted to go towards God. And I felt like I was getting pulled in a way that I didn't want to go. And so I actually broke up with her and it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I'm just going to be completely honest. Cried for weeks. I ended up getting really depressed. And with that, 
you know, I was living here in Kyle and, and this might be many of some of your stories, but I ended up starting to party. The square in San Marcos became very attractive to me. They would have almost known me by name. I was there that much for about six months. I was drinking a lot, hanging out with the wrong crowd, messing around with people I shouldn't be messing around with. And I got to the lowest point of my entire life. I was just running away from God. And I wish I could say that there was like some big moment when God turned everything around, some voice from the sky or whatever, you know, those things that you might see in a movie or, or in the Bible or whatever it might be. And, but there was no voice from heaven. There was no breakthrough in a therapy session that I had. It was, there was no like movie crying moment or experience where I was like, wow, God, you've spoken to me and, and this is amazing. And, uh, and, and, and I'm crying in the rain as it's coming down. And I'm just like, God, I'm giving my life back to you. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. I just simply decided within myself one day that I had had enough, that I was going to be faithful to God, faithful to the call that he had on my life and nothing else mattered. I just made the choice. And that's when everything changed. It, I, I wish I could even point back to a day. I don't even know when it was, but I just know I had that conversation within myself. I said, you know what? I'm done with this. It's been six, eight months of just stupidity. I'm gonna be faithful. This is dumb, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going a different direction. I will be faithful to God, nothing else matters. I'll be faithful in my relationships, nothing else matters. If it's not of God, I don't want it. And everything in my life changed and now I have the faith that I have today because I made that simple decision when I was 21 years old. It wasn't flashy, it wasn't announced to the world in an Instagram post or a TikTok video, okay? I didn't have to talk to anybody else about it because I was proving it to myself and God in private. And I had to work on myself for a while in private before I came back out and God was able to start to reveal things in my future. And I just made the decision. I said, God, I'm not gonna live my life for this world. I'm not gonna live my life for Babylon. I'm, not, I'm gonna live my life for Jesus, right? And because of that, my faith was almost destroyed. I was, I'm telling you, I was almost there. Where I'm just like, you know what, whatever, whatever. I've messed up too much. I've gone too far. I know that God has a call in my life. I know that I'm anointed from him to preach and to lead worship and do these things, but I've messed up so much. How could God ever use me again? I might as well just go the complete other direction and just, just throw in the towel. But God said, no, you're not doing that. Your faith is not gonna be destroyed today. Your faith is gonna be developed and you're gonna get through this and you're gonna be stronger on the other side. Let me tell you today, I don't know if you think that you are too far gone, but you are never too far gone for God to change your life. You are never too far gone. And whatever you think that you've done that is too difficult for God to handle, let me tell you, he already handled it all on the cross for you. And all you have to do is come back to him and say, God, I'm gonna be faithful to you. I'm not gonna do this way of the world anymore. I'm not gonna live the way I've been living. I'm gonna turn my life over to you today. I'm gonna be faithful to you. And as I'm faithful to you, God, I believe you're gonna be faithful back to me. And God changed my life in that moment. But it was because I did it within myself and it was in the privacy of my own room and the little decisions that I started to make every day after that, that changed everything. And so I would ask you, what do you need to do right now in your life? Maybe some of you just say, hey, pastor, I just need to be more faithful to God. I just need to be more faithful. Whether that's praying, whether that's reading your Bible, whether that's coming to church. So I'm so grateful that you're here.
We need to be faithful to the house of God, to the reading of his word, to prayer, this relationship that we have. It doesn't happen just on a once a week basis. We talked about Sunday morning Christianity. Listen, that's not what God wants. He wants a relationship with you and with me where he can speak to you, where he can speak to me in that moment and I'm down on my knees because I'm feeling something in the room. Like God can speak to you in that way. He wants that for you, but you gotta be faithful. That's where it starts. Some of you today say, hey, I need to give my life to Jesus. Like, I, I just, I'm not faithful at all. I'm not following him right now. And, and I just need to give my life over to him. But there might be some of you in here today that, man, you're going through that fire that we were just praying for earlier. You're like, man, this is tough. I'm struggling right now to get through this season of my life. Would you just be faithful? Because I really believe that that will change everything for you. Amen. Would you stand with me? God, I'm walking through this sickness. I'm dealing with this issue. I'm dealing with this addiction, but Lord, I'm turning it over to you today. I'm gonna to be faithful. I'm gonna be faithful. This is a decision you have to make in your own heart. I'm gonna be faithful. God, this relationship is struggling, but Lord, I'm gonna be faithful. That's all that matters. Would you refine me, Lord, in the fire? Refine me to a place where you take everything else out that is not of you and just leave the gold that's within. God, would you just... Refine my faith in this season, Lord. I'm gonna believe that you're gonna turn whatever is bad into good as long as I'm seeking after your face. I believe that you can do it. Let's, those are some prayers that maybe you need to pray in this place today. And you can do it within your own heart. You don't need anybody else. I just want you to do this in private. Prove it to yourself and prove it to God in the privacy even of your own heart right now. So I just wanna ask, is there anybody in this place today say, hey, Pastor Trevor, I need to give my life back to Jesus. I've been going so far away in the other direction and, and I'm making that choice right now that you made when you were 21, Pastor, to give your life back over to Jesus, right? To, to, to completely be faithful to God. I'm gonna change the way I'm living. I'm gonna go for Jesus and not for the way of the world anymore. Is there anybody else that says, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. Come on, I already see you raising your hand in the back. Yes, I see you. Is there anybody else? Just raise your hand right now. I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you right there. Is there anybody else? Come on, is there anybody else? It says, I wanna make that decision to follow Jesus. I see you, my man, right there. Come on, I see you right there too. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Come on, there's five or six people that have made that decision. They're saying it right now, they're gonna follow. Can you just give Jesus praise for a second? Come on, let's encourage these people. Yes. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. We're gonna pray in just a moment, but I wanna ask also, is there anybody in this place that says, you know what, pastor, I just need to be faithful. I need to be more faithful. Whatever that looks like for you. Would you just raise your hand? I wanna be more faithful to God. I, my hand's up. I wanna be more faithful. Come on. Will you pray with me? as we encourage these that are praying this prayer, maybe for the first time, as they're giving their life to Jesus, come on, let's pray. Father, I'm giving my life to you. I wanna be faithful. I wanna make you first. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe and you're the son of God, that you love me, that you care for me, and that you have a plan for my life. You are my King, you are my Lord, and I will serve you for all of my days. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Come on, would you give Jesus praise in the house of God today? Five people said yes to Jesus today. It says all of heaven rejoices when people say yes to Jesus. Come on, I am so excited for what God is doing in this house. There are, um, I should be real with you guys, last week we broke our all-time non-holiday attendance record last week. Yeah, go for it. Give God praise, yeah. I just want to tell you this because it's not about, it's not about the numbers. I love seeing a lot of people coming to church. I think it's great, but it's not about the numbers. You know what it is about? Every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every person matters to God. And that's why we care about that. And so I just want to invite you into the process of inviting people into a relationship with Jesus. It's not just me. I don't just do it from the stage myself, but you are the body of Christ. We are all the body of Christ. We get to do this together, right? And so uh, if you're new to Radical Church, I want to encourage you, we have, uh, I'm, I'm, I almost don't want to tell you because people are going to start showing up. They've been here for a year and a half, but we have Chicken Express over in, uh, yeah, it's going to be here if it's not already, over here for our welcome party. And if you are new to Radical Church in the last two, three months, you haven't been to a welcome party before, you just wanna get connected and you just wanna meet some other people, see how you can get involved at the church, we would love for you to, to join us in this welcome party. It is free for you, you don't have to pay for anything. Bring your kids, they can eat too, I promise we have enough for everybody. Um, and if you haven't already, fill out the connect card there because I'd love to give you a call. Um, I'd love to connect you to this body of people that are going after Jesus. And then next week, this is very important, we're having what's called the Great Easter Invite, okay? 90% of people will go to an Easter service if they're just invited by somebody. Isn't that crazy? You think that that person in your life is so far from God, there's no way they would go? I bet you anything they would. But the limitation is you, right? Don't let God be limited by our lack of faith. Have some faith, have some boldness, invite somebody to church. And so next week, we're gonna be talking about what it looks like to be an invite culture, to invite somebody into a relationship with Jesus, not just to church, but to inviting somebody into your life so that they can see who Jesus is through you. And so I'm really excited about this message next week. We're gonna be inviting people to church with door hangers. So we'll have lunch for you after service next week as well. If you wanna be a part of that, get on the Church Center app and sign up so we know how much food to bring. Uh, and bring your kids. It's a lot of fun. It'll get their energy out. They can run around a neighborhood, put door hangers on, talk to people, invite people to church. It is a blast. I did it a lot uh, back in the day at some other churches. It's a lot of fun, but we need you to sign up. And then the last thing is courage. Will you hold up one of those right there? Right there is an Easter at Radical uh, yard sign. If you want one of those, they are free for you as well. Just pick one up. We only have about 30 or 40 of them. So make sure that you grab it because they will be gone. Okay. So pick one up. Rep Easter at Radical Church. I already got ours out in our front lawn because why I believe that Jesus is going to do some amazing things on April 17th at 930 and 11 a.m. Two services, y'all. It's going to be great. Uh, so let me pray one more blessing over you and then join us. We'll have a welcome party here in about five to 10 minutes once we get it set up. Father, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for these amazing people. Thank you that you've been growing our church. But God, I know that cancer grows too. And so, God, I thank you that you're growing us in a healthy way. And you're growing these people. Not We don't just have people in the crowd that are just here, but, but I want them to experience your presence. If we have services that your presence are not a part of, then I want to cancel them. I don't want to do it. 
And so I thank you, Lord, that people have said yes to you today, five or six people, and maybe even more in their own hearts, that their lives are forever changed, God, and we get to be a part of this process with you. So thank you, God, for what you're doing. Would you connect us together? Would you bind us together? Would you give them peace, hope, and joy, and love as they go throughout this week? And help us to invite somebody and share Jesus with somebody in our life. And that, Lord, you would pack out this place for Easter at Radical Church, not because we can have big numbers, but so that we can have more people find and follow Jesus in Kyle, Texas, in Buda, Texas, in San Marcos, Texas, in Hayes County and beyond. God, would you do a mighty work within us in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you. Have an amazing day. We'll see you at the welcome party.